You're listening to DraftKings Network. So the question is why? Well, you look a little closer at Jerry Jones. He's been pretty patient and loyal to these coaches. He was patient and loyal with Dave Campo. He was patient and loyal with Barry Switzer. And he was extremely patient and loyal with one Jason Garrett. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to the winter wonderland. You're probably out there somewhere with cold, snowy weather. I think it's pretty much everywhere in the country, unless a couple of spots, maybe South Florida. Uh, I hope you're having a good week. Welcome to the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. We're produced by Jack Connell. The music you hear under us, my son Sam Brandt, our musical producer. And of course, we are brought to you every week by DraftKings. Hope you're having a good week. It's the best weekend in, in NFL viewing of the year, I think. It's divisional playoff weekend. We'll talk about that in the podcast. Other NFL notes, it's a big time in the NFL business world. I will tell you all about my thoughts on what's going on in the coaching carousel. And, of course, we'll get to the games this weekend, a little bit of a, obviously, my biased look at the Green Bay Packers. I want to talk about that as well. Other things going on with college sports, with uh, – uh, tennis note as the Australian Open gets going this week as well. <clears throat> All right, let's start right away. The coaching carousel. We talked about this last week, the incredibly high turnover we have this year with head coaching opportunities in the NFL. Eight, count them, eight. One quarter of the NFL has churned, and there may be more. We still don't know about Nick Sirianni in Philadelphia. We are talking about McCarthy still in Dallas. I'll get to that in a minute. But the turnover is really interesting because, as I said last week, it's all related to the theme of this podcast, the theme of what I talk about every day, which is the business of football has gotten so big. Just look at any marker you want to look at. The media deal is worth $110 billion. The franchise prices skyrocketing now with the most recent Washington Commanders, $6 billion dollars. What other markers you want to look at? A team-friendly CBA. They're supposed, they obviously are making good money, these NFL players, but their contracts are inferior to other sports. Any five-year contract besides Deshaun Watson is not really a five-year contract. The owners have it there as well. These are salad days for NFL owners. And my point there is firings come easier now. When you have those kind of revenues, and maybe in the past, paying off a head coach millions of dollars, paying off a staff tens of millions of dollars, maybe would be a deterrent, but it's not. It's obviously not. Look at David Tepper in Carolina, who's got a net worth of whatever, $20 billion. Is he worried about firing six, seven coaches that he's already done? How many? Who knows how many he's paying? No, he's not worried about that. Uh, these owners are not worried about paying off coaches now. So we have eight now we have one fulfilled, which is the New England Patriots in a succession plan to Gerard Mayo, where Bill Belichick has already been replaced. Seven teams are still going through the process. And speaking of Belichick, he's had a couple interviews. Seems like it's on the way. 
with Arthur Blank and the Atlanta Falcons and Bill Belichick joining forces. We'll see. I think it's a tough thing to bring in Bill Belichick because obviously everybody's about the present in sports and no one looks to the future. But I would want a young coach building for the future, even if I had a good team ready to win. I just don't get it with Bill Bel- bringing in and Bill Belichick. And the question has to be asked, like, what are we doing here? <laughs> you haven't won in three years. I'm not even getting into whether it's Brady or Belichick. Like, there hasn't been success in recent years. Now, what's the reason for that? That would be a big part of the interview to me. Of course, he has the gravitas of the name. Of course, he's the best coach ever. But even the best of the best somehow get on the downside and something's going on. You can blame it on the quarterback, but he was picking the quarterback. Will he have GM control? Will he have control over the roster? Will he get involved in control over the cutdown? Probably not get involved in college scouting, of course, but where's the line of demarcation? Does it report to the general manager? Does it report to the owner? Does it report to the administrative side, the coaching side? So these are questions that would have to go through with Bill Belichick. The other part of Bill Belichick is, unless I'm missing something, there is only the Atlanta Falcons that's seriously interested in him, unless we're all being, you know, hidden from some other team. So to me, it seems like Bill Belichick is going to the Atlanta Falcons or bust, but he probably is going there if they're having, you know, sit down one-on-one meetings this weekend. I would expect that to happen. One coach did not get fired, and that's a coach that I was part of hiring some 17 years ago. His name, Mike McCarthy, and I'll get to that game in a minute, which I attended. But this was interesting because it was such a meltdown against the Packers last week, and everybody was like, oh, my God, we can't run this back, right? We can't. And I'm listening to Dallas radio the past few days because I was stuck there, couldn't get back to Philadelphia with all the flight cancellations, ice down there, snow in the Northeast. And I'm listening to talk radio there just for, for giggles. And I'm like, wow, they're like, listen, and they were very educated on it. They weren't just spouting. They were saying after that loss, everything has to be on the table. Mike McCarthy, Dan Quinn, Dak Prescott, everything. Micah Parsons, Everything had to be on the table because all four of those came up small and many other parts of the Dallas Cowboys came up small. So what we look at is the boisterous, blusterous, bravado, gusto-filled owner, Jerry Jones. What's he going to do? And what's he going to do is not do anything. Now, I know a lot of people, including me at one point, said, oh, my God, Jerry Jones, this he's... He's emotional. He's impulsive. He's going to fire McCarthy. And he didn't. And he didn't act out of impulse. And he didn't act out of emotion. He's going to run it back. So the question is why? Well, you look a little closer at Jerry Jones. He's been pretty patient and loyal to these coaches. He was patient and loyal with Dave Campo. He was patient and loyal with Barry Switzer. And he was extremely patient and loyal with one Jason Garrett that was there for 10, 10 years before moving on from Jason Garrett. That is a decade. That is a lifetime in the NFL coaching circle. So it makes sense that he's patient with Mike McCarthy. Yes, there have been flameouts in the playoffs, but they've had great regular season. 
I guess the problem with being a Cowboys fan, and there are many in my life, is that now you can't really get excited about the regular season. No, you can't get excited. They blow out teams great, right? They have a record of 11 and 6 or 12 and 5 or 13 and 4 or 14 and 3. So what? Right? That's how you have to look at the Dallas Cowboys. Fast forward to a year in January 2025, what have they done? Right? What are they doing a year from now is really how you're going to have to judge Mike McCarthy now and Dak Prescott and all the others, Micah Parsons, go down the list. So I feel for Cowboys fans because they were teased another year, right? This team was not ready for the playoffs against an upstart young youngest team in the league. I'll talk more about that. And they lost. And they lost handily and convincingly and embarrassingly, but they're going to run it back. You know, again, what would I do? Well, if you start over with a different coach, you know, they're going to be growing pains. And maybe you're not going to have a good regular season, but maybe you peak as the Packers are in the playoffs. So I don't know. That's a really hard one. <clears throat> I know this about Mike. Mike McCarthy is a good coach and who's got the skins on the wall and who's had great success and had the Super Bowl win. So Mike McCarthy deserves, you know, Mike McCarthy is not one of these coaches like, oh, he stinks. Mike McCarthy is a very good coach. The question is, can he get the Cowboys over the hump with that roster, with his defensive coordinator, with that quarterback, etc.? We'll see. I guess I wouldn't have fired him. I guess not. I guess I would have done the same thing because of so much success there. But there has to be a different attitude in place for the playoffs. You just sort of have to figure that out. What's going to happen now when you get to – what are going to be the changes – that take this from a good regular season team to a playoff-worthy team that don't have brain farts in the playoffs like the past couple years, and then, of course, don't have meltdowns like this year. Really interesting to see what has gone on in Dallas. And I guess I admire Jared Jones for not jumping in the sort of uh, Twitter emotional reaction bucket like so many do. Even owners do that. But again, that's his history. He hung with Jason Garrett. He's hanging with Mike McCarthy. I was at that game, right? I'm a huge Packer fan from my 11, 10 years there. And more, more reason than the, the most reason that I'm sorry, the most important reason that I'm still a Packer fan is because my two pride and joys, my sons are Packer fans. So I want that as we grow older, continue to be our bond and has been for so long. And they grew up in Green Bay and they knew Aaron Rodgers when Aaron Rodgers was a backup and they were babies and it was just a nice time. And so we continue our Packerdom. I don't miss living in Green Bay. I don't miss working for the Packers at all, but it's a nice to be a fan and not have to deal with it on a business side. So certainly going to that game was exciting for us. Once the matchups worked out and it all happened in a span of like 10 minutes where the Rams beat the 49ers in the last game and all of a sudden the Rams are going to Detroit and the Packers are going to Dallas. And then I jumped on tickets with my contact, not at the Packers, but at the, at the Cowboys. And we were there. And oh boy, what a scene. Listen, it was a lot of Packers fans. 
And there were Go Pack Go chants throughout the concourse, throughout the stadium. And the Cowboys, kind of like the Cowboys on the field, the Cowboy fans didn't really put up much of a fight in terms of cheering because they had nothing to cheer about. All those Michael Irvin hype videos and everything, I feel for their marketing team. They couldn't do that when when Dak's throwing us the ball and when the Packers are moving down the field as if there's no resistance at all. I feel for Cowboys fans. And I'm sitting around a lot of them, good guys, nice guys. There was one time where... There was a um, questionable call going against the Packers. And me and my sons are like, God, how could they call that? They're showing the replay. How could they call that? And these guys next to us, these Cowboy fans are like, hey, just give us that. You know, like, just give us that. Can you just give us that questionable call? We'll take it. Because the game is over. You know, the game was over in the second quarter. The Packers were a superior team for that day. And it was just nice. What a great experience with my sons. A frigid day in Dallas. I know people in the Northeast are saying they don't know cold, but it was seriously cold. And of course, the ice hit that night and I couldn't get back. But wow, the Packers put on a show. And I was talking to my producer, Jack, before we got on the air. This is the best time to be a fan, right? When you have low expectations, when you're a young team ascending, what a nice time to be a fan. There's no Aaron Rodgers' weight bogging this team down. It's all up. It's all light. It's feathery. It's fun, right? It's Jordan Love. Like, wow. And sitting behind Aaron, just like Aaron sat behind Brett for three years, it looks like a formula. I know other teams can't do it because they need help right away. They don't have a Hall of Famer that's in front of these guys. But Jordan Love just looks the part. And of course, I'm not the expert on the field, arm strength, the mechanics, etc. I let plenty of exes and O's people do that. But he looks the part with attitude, with poise, with the same ability that Aaron had to not take things too seriously, to just focus on the present, what's ahead. He seems like a good kid and people respond to him. And they got a young team that's you know, these receivers total about $7 million in pay. You know, I always talk about Alan Lazard's making 12 MVS with Kansas City's making $11 million. These seven receivers that are just each one like, wow, running free. The tight end, who's closest defender, uh, with Luke Musgrave on that touchdown, the closest defender was in Plano. I mean, come on, just a beatdown. Can the Packers do it this weekend against the 49ers? Of course, everyone's going to say no. This is house money. This is not supposed to happen. They're not supposed to be on the same field with the 49ers who dispatch the Cowboys and Eagles and other teams with ease. We'll see. All I can say is we'll see. I can't put anything past this Packer team. Wow, the way they're playing, the way they dispatch in, in re- recent weeks, the Lions in Detroit, Vikings in Minnesota, and then, of course, the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas in the playoffs on the biggest stage. Can't put it past the Packers. Of course, it's going to be a huge upset if they win, but I'm not betting against them. I'm not betting on them, but I'm not betting against them. Anyway, I did bet last week. I'm not a betting man, but I saw the Cowboys as vulnerable. I just did. I just, you know, they've shown it. What's that saying? If someone shows you who they are, believe them. Speaking of which, the Philadelphia Eagles in the city I am in now 
what a disappointment. And I thought the other way there. I thought, okay, yeah, they've been backsliding the last third of the season, but they'll take care of business against Tampa. They're a better team than Tampa. They have better players than Tampa. Their offensive line and defensive lines will dominate Tampa. No. What did I just say? If someone shows you who they are, believe them. This team, oh my God, what happened? I thought the Eagles were really invincible, even though they were winning, not playing well. I said, that's a good sign. They're winning, not playing well. They knocked off Kansas City, not playing well. They knocked off Buffalo, not playing well. They knocked off Dallas, not playing well. They knocked off other teams, not playing well. I'm like, okay. But boy, was I wrong about the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles were backsliding for reasons we still don't know. You, everyone's can blame the coordinators and the coaching and sort of a um, downslide, a, a downturn in performance by Jalen Hurts. I don't know what's going on. I think we're going to find out more leaks, whatever. I think there could be a 30-30 about the last half of this season. I don't know what's going on. A.J. Brown gets hurt. Um, what's going on here? Like that's, I mean, A.J. Brown shouldn't be that important. And Devontae Smith's a great receiver, and you got Goddard, you got these young receivers, you got the best offensive line in football. I don't get it. I think we're going to hear more about the Eagles 2023 than we know. There's going to be more. As for the coach, you know, we're still in this limbo period as we record this on Friday the 19th. I think he'll stay and come up with new coordinators and new staff, and that'll be the end of Matt Patricia with the Eagles. That'll be the end of Brian Johnson with the Eagles, the coordinators, maybe some staff as well. Of course, they'll keep Stoutland, the offensive line coach who deserves probably head coach pay by this time. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I think the Eagles are going to be fascinating to watch because Howie, as I know, Roseman, I always say it, where I'm recording from, he lives probably uh, half a mile from this spot. Um, he's always going to be aggressive. And aggressive could mean acquiring players. Aggressive could mean acquiring coaches. So we'll see. Sirianni's presenting a plan to owner Jeff Lurie. Remember the last time this happened, the plan was not very good. Doug Peterson, Lurie didn't like the plan, so he didn't like Peterson. Peterson was out. Could that happen? I don't know. Maybe this plan will be more Howie Roseman coming up with coordinators and staff than Nick Sirianni. And Nick Sirianni's got to put his hat in his hand and say, all right, whatever you got, I'm in. So we'll see on the Eagles. But the Cowboys and Eagles flameouts, one of the fascinating parts of the NFL season, I thought those two had as good a chance as any, including the 49ers, as meeting in the NFC Championship game. And here we are. My Packers in, the Eagles and Cowboys not. And we'll see where it goes. One other thing about wild card weekend, super wild card weekend, just some other thoughts. Okay, the cold just... I feel for those guys because it's it's not football, right? I know it's football, but it's not the way that you want the elite games to be played. It's visually appealing. It's a good story. But do you want your best games decided by that? Well, here's the thing. In the Super Bowl, the NFL doesn't want that, right? In the most important game of the season, the one watched by over 110 million people, 
the NFL does not want the elements to play a role. That's why they schedule any, any game that's in the, in the northern weather inside, and they go to places like San Francisco, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Tampa, Miami, New Orleans. Okay? That's why they do that. But oddly, the NFL doesn't care that the games leading up to the Super Bowl are played in brutal conditions. I always found that interesting. Uh, the games before the Super Bowl can be played in brutal Kansas City, brutal Buffalo, brutal Green Bay. Green Bay. Where else? Chicago, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, New York. But God forbid you play that, you could play one of those places in the Super Bowl. No, no, the NFL won't allow that. So it's always ironic to me that the most important games in the NFL besides the Super Bowl are fair game for these disastrous conditions in places like Kansas City and Buffalo, where in Kansas City you had these sub-zero conditions, a hard field, that ball must have felt like a rock. Uh, and then in Buffalo, people can't even drive. The field looked great, but they're sitting on ice and snow. I mean, again, these fans sign up for that, even though Kansas City looked about three quarters full and in in where they always have sellouts. But that's what the NFL does. Okay, the Peacock game, this Kansas City game we just talked about, only on Peacock, only streaming, all the grumbling, all the carping, all the, the whining about it on before it happened. What happened? It's the most streamed, it's the most streamed event in history, right? We hear about all the carping, the grumbling. Oh, I can't believe it. I'm gonna where's all the old people saying, Where's Peacock Peacock? All the young people asking their parents, how do I get Peacock? Can I use your password? Listen, people adapt for the NFL. This is not like a, <clears throat> a mid-season baseball game. This is like the NFL playoffs. They'll adapt. And they did. 23 million people. Biggest download ever for a streaming. Ever. It doesn't surprise you because it's the NFL. The NFL prints money. But wow. So let's just get past it. Now, looking to the future, two questions. Will the NFL have a streaming-only playoff game next year? I think yes. Will it be in the wild card weekend? I think yes. Will it move to divisional playoff weekend or conference championship weekend? My answer, no. The NFL knows where its bread, bread is buttered. It's going to continue this because we just had 23 million people download it. <coughs> people don't mention the fact that every Thursday night game is stream only. But again, Amazon's much more accessible than Peacock, I guess. But the NFL knows. So a year from now, wildcard weekend, we will absolutely have a streaming only game. Maybe it'll be Peacock, maybe something else. But I don't think it'll go beyond that. That's a bridge too far. That won't happen. Okay, I'll mark it down. Streaming only, one game in the playoffs, wildcard weekend only. Okay. Did a lot of football there. Let me talk about a couple other things. Name, image, likeness, hearings on Capitol Hill. Okay, this has been ongoing for how many years? Charlie Baker, the new president of the NCA, is charged with <clears throat> accessing his political connections on Capitol Hill to try to get a bill. And the bill would protect the NCA from these swirling lawsuits and give them antitrust protection. 
the bill would, in his mind, uh, invalidate the idea of athletes being employees, invalidate the idea of unionization and collective bargaining, and just keep everyone afloat with the NCAA, even though they got these lawsuits coming. So there were the, this was the 11th, count them, 11th hearing since 2020 on name image likeness. This was a bill sponsored by representative from Florida, Gus Bill Rackus. And basically it's an NCA friendly bill where they want an antitrust protection, where there's no unionization, there's no athlete employee status. And there've been a lot of these bills on the Republican side, one from, I believe, Ted Cruz. Uh, then you have the Democratic bills, much more expansive and broad, dealing with things more than NIL, dealing with athlete employee status, dealing with unionization, dealing with health and safety protections, all those kind of things. Bills from Richard Blumenthal, bills from Cory Booker, bills from Lori Trahan. And Lori Trahan was on this committee basically saying, we're not going to get there. These bills are too off from each other. So I don't see it as something come out of both houses that could work. That was not friendly music to Charlie Baker's ears. Meanwhile, as everyone says, including me every week, it's a, it's a mess out there. Transfer portal is going crazy right now. Alabama players are leaving because of Nick Saban not coaching there anymore. And the collectives are making their best offers to get these players away. Uh, you know, and then you have the coaching carousel with Kalen DeBoer going to Alabama and then all the um, Jed Fish going to Washington, all the domino effects of that. I don't know what's going to happen again. If I did, I would probably be consulted by the NCA and or Congress. But I do think we're going to get into a two tier system where we have the NCAA governing 90% of college sports, 85% of college sports, and then something else governing major college football, major college basketball. That something else will not be amateur and it will not be pro. It will some hybrid in between. In between. Be fascinating to see where it goes. I don't know what's going to come out of these hearings. Congress has made it a priority to have since we're having all these hearings. But Congress has other things that are much more important in case you've been living under a rock. There's a lot going on in the world besides this. So we'll see where it goes. Um, I just thought it was interesting. Number 11 <laughs> of NIL hearings. Here we go. Charlie Baker on Capitol Hill once again. I don't think so much will come out of it, but I think we're going to get some decisions in the courts. This Johnson case in the Third Circuit talking about whether athletes are employees for Fair Labor Standards Act, whether they should get minimum pay, et cetera. We have the <clears throat> House case, which is about back, back pay for NIL, NIL before NIL was legal. These, both these cases could mean millions, I mean hundreds of millions of dollars, maybe even a billion dollars for the NCAA. So they're not settling them. I don't know if they're trying. They're using all their, all their weight and might to try to get an antitrust exemption in Congress. We will see. Final note, I just saw this. One of my favorite athletes, as you know, I'm a big tennis fan, tennis player. Rafael Nadal is going to be an ambassador for the Saudi Arabian Tennis Federation. Okay. I know what you're doing. You're rolling your eyes. Yes, I get it. We know the Live Tour. We know the Saudi Public Investment Fund, where $600 billion has, as I said, since June 6th, they bought golf. Uh, and tennis is a likely candidate as well. They haven't gone there. 
there's no lifter equivalent in tennis. But this is more like what they're doing with Lionel Messi. Messi plays, as everyone knows, for the MLS. He's not playing in Saudi Arabia, as Ronaldo is. <clears throat> Excuse me. But Messi's an ambassador, and God knows how much he makes to do that. He's an ambassador for Saudi Arabian soccer. I don't know what he makes. At least tens of millions. Same thing with Nadal. Nadal is now representing Saudi tennis. Uh, I can only imagine what he makes, tens of millions at least. Um, just for being an ambassador, he's going to build a, uh, they're, they're going to build a facility for him and name it after him. And here we go. Is it sports washing? Of course it is. I mean, the Saudis want to diversify from oil. What better way than sports? Everybody loves sports. It's good for their image. <clears throat> is that good for the human rights abuses that go on there? No. But as I said, since last year, <clears throat> you're not going to stop these athletes from doing it. You're just not. Unless there's some governmental inter intervention, right? I mean, Ronaldo went over there. All the golfers, John Rahm. I mean, it's happening. And who are we to say to an athlete, there's human rights abuses, don't take the money? Well, no. That's always, I mean... Listen, I, do I think less of Rafa Nadal, one of my heroes? No, I don't. I don't. As he winds down, this is, I mean, it's kind of like Phil Mickelson, right? As he winds down, this is his retirement, uh, one of his retirement packages. Show up a few times a year in Saudi Arabia. Get a huge check. Have an academy built for you. Doesn't mean he doesn't have other academies in Spain and everywhere else. I get it. I get it. You get it? I get it. All right, guys. That'll do it. Go to the newsletter, especially this weekend. You'll love it. Andrew-Brandt.com. You can also get me every day if you want to sportsbusinessleague.com. Um, Twitter, Andrew Brandt. Instagram, some reels at Andrew Brandt, too. Listen, I appreciate you guys. I hope this podcast is unique for you, unlike anything you hear elsewhere. Give us a rating. Give us a review. You can <clears throat> reach out to me at andrew at andrew-brandt.com. You can Venmo if you want to support the podcast, andrew-brandt-20. <clears throat> and that's about it for my boys. Thanks to Jack Connell. Thanks to Sam Brandt. Thanks to you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. <laughs>